Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to the Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here again with Tiana Showy from Made to Conquer Podcast. How are you doing, Tiana? Good, Paul. How are you? I am doing phenomenal on this 20th of October. That is absolutely crazy. We're hitting our into our second year now doing this podcast. That was kind of nuts how this whole thing came about, where God impressed it upon your heart to get this thing moving and God was having it on my heart to kind of get something moving. It's just interesting how God works together in different people and brings the plan. It's nuts. It it blows my mind. It's sure been a fun ride. That's for sure. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Talked about some crazy things. Talked about some aliens. <laughs> talked about some earth worship. Talked about chaos in the Middle East. But uh, got, before got we actually get- off of social media. Oh, we did get booted off social media. Yeah. That's TikTok right. TikTok and, and YouTube. <laughs> I can't post these on YouTube. They keep kicking me off. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, before we get going, uh, our sponsor came back. And so we, we've been asked to, you know, we've got to- Keep this thing running. So knock this out, then we'll get to the, the real stuff. Do you want that divine protection of the angels having charge concerning you when you go out in public riding a plane train in this post-pandemic world? Do you desire to stay the cords of COVID death? Do you want a rock fortress and deliver that is a shield for your respiratory system that you can take refuge in? Then head over to Copeland's COVID Oral Cavity Cloaks. For your simple love seed offering of $29.95, you will get your anointed COVID mask blessed and spoken over by not one, not two, but three prophets and one apostle. Each comes standard with a guarantee of the blessings equal to the latter rain. And if you do so desire to upgrade to include the former, that is too easy for an additional gift of $10. Sure, we cost a little bit more than those imitation visage veils. But when it comes to your divine protection, isn't it worth that extra buck in the collection plate? Copeland's COVID oral cavity cloaks. No assembly required. <laughs> Paul, one of your spiritual gifts is maturity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Copeland's COVID Oral Cavity Cloaks, for your sponsorship today. <laughs> you know what makes humor funny is the element of truth in it. And that's I know, the sad right? part about it. <laughs> I'm sure by now everybody's seen that rap of Cop Kenneth Copeland with the rap. I blow <laughs> the wind of God. <laughs> Have you, you've seen the rap, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen the original and then, yeah. The <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I think part of the reason why God has allowed the church to go on so long is the memes. We're going to have a whole meme reel when we get to the, the millennial kingdom. Hey, kids, come watch what I let you guys create. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the ability to just have fun with some of these beliefs and these teachers, it's its its so great. I saw one the other day. It was a guy in a, in a suit, real nice three-piece suit. Yeah. It said, uh, Calvinist Klein. I didn't choose the suit. The suit chose me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you know, anybody who doesn't think God has a sense of humor has never been around children. And since Jesus specifically said that we had to become like children to enter heaven, <laughs> we can trust that God does have a sense of humor. I, 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 w I would agree due to the language and potty humor that is used within the Old Testament, like with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Yes. So so the king. So so if anybody that ha has read a modern translation, you're not going to get what it actually says in the Hebrew. And that's why I love like the King James, because when it talks about uh, in uh, um, not, oh, sorry, not the prophets of Baal, but it's in some of these, uh, it might've been, but yeah, I have to go back. It's Elijah when he's taunting yeah, the prophets of Baal. He's prophets yeah. of Baal. Maybe he's hey, out, we're... he's, he's on a vacation or he's out relieving himself. Um, but there's other parts where it's, it translates in modern translations as the males, like he's going to cut off the males. But what it really says is he that pisses against the wall. <laughs> yeah. So you've got this. It's, oh my gosh, the, the actual language and the way God actually speaks about some of these people. It's in pretty almost crass ways, but it's dadgum hilarious. Yes. And you realize God's, God's level of sarcasm. Yeah. He's also got poop here poop humor men come yes. by it honestly they come by it honestly oh my gosh <laughs> I, I let's just i'm just praying and i'm gonna i'm gonna assume that in our glorified bodies we have no longer the need for waste <laughs> oh my gosh I'm just, that's what so. i'm holding out for is hopefully there's no no more waste removal processes in glorified bodies no <laughs> but we're we're in episode 54 and it's it's been a i don't know about you so I've, this is kind of, and maybe it's just my experience in the military, like the last, especially since this whole thing kicked off with Israel, right? As stuff has been going on in the Middle East and in our country, I'm in this waiting period and talk to some of my buddies, they feel the same way. We're in this waiting period of feeling like something's just about to pop off, but it's a miserable time period because you know something's going to pop off. You're hoping something pops off partly because you just want that release of pressure. Mm -hmm. Right. It's mm -hmm. one of the worst things overseas <clears throat> is when you can't actually pull the trigger because mm -hmm. you're just sitting there, you're going out, nothing's happening, but you're always expecting something to happen. And so when you do that weeks on end, you're going out, nothing actually kicks off. It is miserable because there's no release of that tension to be like, man, just please, dear God, somebody just shoot at us, <laughs> do something. Right. I, I just yeah. need a release of this tension where I can actually pull the trigger, get like, so, okay, it's good. It's done. And I, I really do feel, and we can see a lot of things shaping in the Middle East and here in the States, and we're going to be going over some of these things today, but you know, I, I just, it's all God's timing. Mm -hmm. He is, he is in control of when he allows things to occur, you know, and that, and that's, that's some of the things like, it's not that God causes everything, but he has times that he allows and permits things to take place. And we do know that he withholds certain things from happening at certain times, right? We see this with uh, in, was it 70 AD with the judgment on Israel, the temple burned down. They did not, like, they would have definitely erected an idol in the Holy of Holies. <laughs> yeah. However, that got stopped, right? There there was uh, the, the temple burned down, so there's no time for idol worship. It, it was it's just so interesting to see how God played and, and enacted or brought about certain things because it wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you see that kind of tension building with Jesus also, you know, as, as it got closer to his crucifixion, he kept telling the disciples, you know, the son of man will be handed over to the, to the Pharisees or into the, you know, and they're going to crucify him. And the, the disciples are like, what are you talking about Jesus? And then even, you know, the last supper, you know, he's, he's, you, you see that anguish in his soul, that te tension that's building, you know, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, there was a moment in time and it was, you know, God knew he, that it, when you read the story and you understand the timing of the crucifixion with the Passover and the slaughtering of the lambs and all that occurred, you know, you know that there was a moment that was perfect. And, you know, I agree with you, Paul, this tension is, is it's, it's especially because I'm, you know, a junkie and I'm on Amir's telegram channel, which like gets like <laughs> 200 messages a day. Um, and, and by the way, like, don't I, I, I strongly suggest you stay informed, but be prepared because Amir doesn't hide the goriness of what's going on. And you as a soldier, Paul, you can appreciate this. Civilians are so, so disassociated from the reality of war and the gore of war. And when civilians see what it looks like for the first time, it's hard to watch, but I, I, I think part of the problem we have with these brainwashed young people is that they've never seen the reality of what it is they're purporting and supporting. Right. And I think looking at dead bait bodies and gore, people need to understand this is what's going on. And this, this Hollywood, you know, version of war that we have is not the reality of war in, in the real world. Not even close, not even close, but it kind of goes back to, uh, who it's, ah, dad gummit. I can't think of his, I just had his name. But he wrote uh, Gates of Fire and he, Stephen Pressfield, he, in Warrior's Ethos, he talks about the interesting dynamic of the American culture today in that most cultures are warrior societies. Mm -hmm. They're raised in this. There's not really a separation of civilian and military in the extent that it is here in America, right? Um, where it, it was, it was a very, interesting read and i would highly recommend everybody listens or reads pressfield's warrior's ethos it's a very small small book very quick read but going into that dynamic and how that shapes civilian life here and seeing that separation of just mentality and viewpoint and how they approach life and how they approach everything how they approach war it's a it's an incredibly interesting book regarding that but due to that and this is something i talked about with a guy who uh, was on a podcast the other week talking about the lack of uh, coming of age right mm -hmm. in, in so many mm -hmm. cultures there's these coming of age ceremonies there's these rites of passage for for young men and i really feel that that is very much needed today mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason you know we obviously we see and we understand this whole thing of feminization of men making them softer the reduction of testosterone due to the diets and just everything, right? It, it's a demasculation, but if you don't have strong men, you don't have a strong nation. You know, that's, that's just right. the fact of the matter. You don't have strong warriors. And right. when you actually deal with, look at even one generation ago when the towers went down and look at the men of that time versus the men of today, the military, the people, the mindset of the people in the military back then, versus the mindset of the people in the military now it is completely different it is mm -hmm. so much softer we care about you know and not that sexual harassment uh and rape prevention sharp is wrong right. but 
I remember like we're in the middle of a dadgum warfare and I started, we stopped seeing all the combat posters, all the motivation, which you have to have good morale. Mm-hmm. Part of that, st- those things was a lot of it was morale, focus on the mission, uh, uh, pride in being a soldier and fighting war to pictures of, you know, in a special operations and nothing wrong with it from the standpoint of it being a female, but it is wrong with it when all that stuff goes away and you see pictures of girls and it's like sharp. I am the force behind the fight and equal opportunity. And it's, it's like you've just completely cut the balls off a dadgum unit, basically. Yeah. Like, let's not focus on war. Or we're going to focus on sharp and EO. Like, that's what matters. It's like we're dadgum special forces, guys. But of course, as you know, it's run by people that. You know, when it comes to your career is what matters within the military, you're and the people that get promoted are the ones that basically are willing to bow the knee and not stand up for people and stand up for what's right and what we're our primary missions need to be. That's going to happen. You know, I, mm-hmm. it just it's such a frustrating thing to see this softening and what the actual dadgum focus is versus just making. I mean, really, when you look at it, that's why young 18 to 20 some year old kids are the best soldiers and why you need them in the infantry they're loaded with testosterone they are just you know there's there's just three things they all want to do i'm not going to say what those are one of them is fight (laughs) we we know what they are but but you know but that's what makes them such good fighters right and you know we've just completely emasculated them and it's it's sad to see it's the reality mm-hmm. of our country and mm-hmm. it's uh anyways well, we started but, uh, in the all that to, all that to say all that to say i agree with you like people aren't aren't ready and our soldiers mm-hmm. aren't ready for another war it just straight is true. we started in the classroom by telling little boys to sit down and shut up right and yep. that's not healthy for any child let alone a little boy who is you know who's being raised within society or biologically wired to go and protect. And I'm, I'm a little bit unique and I'm not saying I'm an anomaly entirely, but I'm a little bit unique amongst women in that I, I am a little bit more of a Deborah and, you know, because I have no children and because I love extreme, <laughs> I mean, it's no coincidence you and I are on this podcast never, together because I love extreme physical challenges and I push myself to really hard <laughs> stuff and I do stuff that, you know, is more of a more, you know, ultra running is not something that is, there are women in the sport, don't get me wrong, but we're, I mean, a small, small percentage compared to the men because men are hardwired for that. But even, even in spite of being a woman who has been more physically active and, and been in male circles, mostly in my life. I can tell you that I still recognize the difference between how a man is wired and how a woman is wired, even in spite of the fact that I tend to lean a little bit more towards that side. You know, I appreciate the testosterone that men have flowing through their veins and I appreciate the soldiers that God has made them. And, And as much as I have a soldier spirit in me, I don't belong on the front lines. Like I know the difference. Like I'm saving spiders and, you know, crying over a dead kitten in my yard. Like I don't belong on the battlefield with the gun in my hands. Now, if you put me there, I'm going to use it, but let's just be honest. I'm going to hesitate to pull the trigger in a very, and I, and I you know, I, I mean that just to kind of say like this whole concept that we can masculize, mask, make women masculine and, and make men feminine is it's, 
it's just it's satanic and anyway we could go down that rabbit hole but we yep, got a lot yep. more important stuff to talk about so. yes we do so i've got psalm 32 today and this is dealing with like forgiveness and it's, i think this is such a powerful one because as spiritual warfare increases as we are seeking to go out on mission for christ and really pursue what he's calling us to there's going to be a lot of spiritual warfare the temptations are going to arise and even temptations you may not have experienced for quite some time those will just pop up and it's all it is is satan going around going like eh, is there a little spot in this armor we can get back into but uh in psalm 32 it's it's david he says blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man to whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit when i kept silent my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Salah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Salah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, You're righteous, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Mm. You hit on something very deep there, Paul, and I'll just say this and then we'll move on. One of the things that I've come to realize the longer that I walk with the Lord, the easier it is to fall into a pattern of habit instead of relationship. And the more that you get to know God's word, the more it, it the easier it is to just turn it into the mundane rather than the sweet, precious manna that it is for us. And I think you're right. I think as this season goes on, I notice that the spiritual warfare is intensifying. And, you know, what the, the, the message that the Lord just keeps driving home to me is the beginner's mindset, something we're taught in coaching, which is just come to me like a child every day. Yesterday was yesterday. Today is a new day. And rekindle that love relationship with the Lord fresh every single day. And do not rest on your laurels as, as a Christian, but stay humble before the Lord. And you can celebrate what he's doing in your life because I don't know about you, but I, I, I praise God that I am not the same person I was, <laughs> you know, very true. <laughs> yeah. But may, may my, may my tenderness towards the Lord increase every day. May, may I come to him, you know, like a child excited to see my daddy again today and not, and not lose that tenderness. And, and, and your Psalm is so important because what the enemy wants to do is drive us in the opposite direction and, and I'm rereading, and I mentioned this to you, Nancy Missler, Nancy and Chuck Missler's book, Kingdom, Power, and Glory, which I think is hands down a, a book every single Christian needs to read. It's extremely yeah. important. But Nancy just drives home the point in that book that we just have to stay in a, a position of continual repentance before the Lord because Satan wants to put condemnation on us, which pushes us away from the Lord. But the Lord draws us into a place of conviction so we can repent and be free of those things. And so anyway, I, I could go on about this because the Lord's just been speaking this to me. But I just want to remind everybody that the more that you, the, the longer that you walk with the Lord, the more tender you should become, the more humble you should become. And it's not, 
and, and the less of a routine the Lord should become, but more of a joy and, and, and that fellowship with him should be something that kindles life inside of you instead of the, instead of I'm just going through my religious routine. Anyway, um, I digress, but <clears throat> your Psalm was, was beautiful in that way. Well, you know, Psalm 115 talks about the idols and those who make them become like them. You know, this mm -hmm. idea that those that we worship, we become like the things that we worship. Mm -hmm. you know, we worship the world. We become car cold, hard, indifferent, selfish, narcissistic, we become materialistic. And when you, but when you worship Christ, when you really worship him, not just praise him, but when you have that intimacy with him, you get to know him and allow him to transform you being renewed by the, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, dying to yourself and allowing him to, to cut those things out of you. And as you worship him, you become like him and he has, you know, he is, and he is loving. He is tender. You know, he, he it's, it's absolutely incredible. The change that you can see in your life and what you become when he is not just a thing that you do, but mm -hmm. your very essence. Yeah. Your very essence. And that's it. That's it. I saw something on, on TikTok that really broke my heart. I was, I reposted a video from a couple of years ago <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't have time to make new content. So I'll just repost a video. And, and then I make the point that, you know, that's not everybody that calls himself a Christian is a Christian. Jesus makes this point multiple times throughout the scripture. Right. And then somebody said, you know, the church is no different than the world. We're just forgiven. And I thought, no, 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 no. Pause. <laughs> Fact checked. We should be different from the world because we have the power yes. of the Holy spirit living within us. And we're going through the sanctification process and we are different than the world. We are right. also forgiven, but but Jesus said, you have to bear fruit <laughs> and, yes. and if we're not bearing fruit, then something's wrong. And, and I really just, I, that, that, that comment is so common in the church where it's like, no, we're no different than anybody else. No, yes, you are. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Exactly. You are born again. You are a new creation. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are different. That doesn't mean you're infallible. But there should be a sanctification process that you're going through and you should be changed and transformed. And if you are not different, then you need to get on your knees and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. And you need, and this is what the kingdom power and glory is all about, is that sanctification process that Christians should be going through. And I just, I read that comment and I thought, this is the problem with the American church is that so many people think that I should be no different than the world. Yeah. Well, there, <laughs> and I've had this discussion with people and you know, when it looks at leaders and pastors, people are going to go, they're going to take, <laughs> they're going to take your mediocrity or at least where you are and go to the extreme, but usually in the negative. Yeah. That's what, uh, my buddy John's dad said yesterday and we were having this discussion <clears throat> and it, it was because we were talking about how pastors, you know, so many don't know the Bible. They don't teach the Bible. They don't call people to purpose. And, and, and that's, there's a mission that every Christian is called to. And if you do not drive and hammer into them. Hey, like this is, yes, I'm here, but my job is to equip you so you can go out and do the works of the ministry. But anybody that's read the book story brand, on, on by Donald Miller on marketing and all that stuff, you know, you've got to have your guide, your hero and your guide. And problem is so many companies and people set themselves up as the hero and not the guide, right? Well, pastors mm -hmm. do the same thing. They set themselves up as the hero and everybody's here for me. And we, we see this, right? And so you get these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the sheep are not being fed. They're not being equipped. They're not being called, told what they are called to. And mm -hmm. the sad thing is that these Christians are going to answer for the fact that they didn't participate in the mission that they were called to. Yeah. But 
You know, it, it just, again, it goes back to what is needed in, in the church that we need. We don't need a revival of Jesus, just coming to Jesus. We need a revival in purpose and what we are called to in Christ. Does that make sense? It's it's so yeah. much like, I mean, that's just what Hebrews 6 talks about. Let's, let's yeah. move away yeah. from the basic foundations and actually move on to maturity. By now, some of you, like, by now you should be teachers, but you yeah. still have need of milk. You know, yeah. this is the thing that is, is, is so lacking, but again, we can piss and moan about it all yeah, we want, but, right. but, but, but the thing is though, so, you know, but the, of course the answer is, well then, you know what, be the change in your operational environment yeah. enact yeah. that change, find those who you can influence and then work with them and, and drive them. So. Well, and, I, and I'll get to my song, but I'll just say this. This is why I think that book, The Kingdom, Power, and Glory is so important because yeah. in that book, Nancy and Chuck drive home what your, what, your, like, what your real mission is and that thing that itches at the soul of every spirit-filled Christian. There's something more I should be doing. We all feel that itch. And in that book, they go through the biblical case for what that is. So anyway, I'm going to read Psalm 89. This is a long psalm. Sorry, not sorry. I didn't write it. <laughs> so but I just felt <laughs> like it was very appropriate for today's podcast. Psalm 89, I will sing of the loving devotion of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, loving devotion is built up forever. In the heavens, you establish your faithfulness. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness as well, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared and awesome above all who surround him. The Lord God of hosts, who is like you? O mighty Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and also the earth. The earth and its fullness you founded. North and south you created. Tabor and Hermon, you shout, shout for joy at your name. Mighty is your name. Excuse me. Mighty is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving devotion and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who know the joyful sound, who walk in, O Lord, in the light of your presence. They rejoice in your name all day long, and in your righteousness they exult. For you are the glory of of their strength and you favor our horn, excuse me, and by your favor, our horn is exalted. Surely you, surely our shield belongs to the Lord and our King to the Holy One of Israel. You spoke in a vision to your godly ones. You said, I have bestowed help on a warrior. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant, David with my sacred oil. I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will exact tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and loving devotion will be with him. And, th and through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand upon the rivers. He will call to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. I will indeed appoint him as my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth. I will forever preserve my loving devotion for him. My covenant with him will stand fast. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. If his son forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes my, and fail to keep my commandments, 
I will attend to their transgression with the rod and to their iniquity with stripes, but I will not withdraw my loving devotion from him, nor ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the utterance of my lips. Once and for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever and his throne before me like the sun, like the moon established forever, a faithful witness in the sky. Selah. Now, however, you have spurned and rejected him. You are enraged by your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and sullied his crown in the dust. You have broken down all his walls. You have reduced his strongholds to rubble. All who pass by plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made it all his enemies rejoice. You have bent the edge of his sword and have not sustained him in battle. You have ended his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Selah. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath keep burning like fire? Remember the briefness of my lifespan. For what futility you have created all men. What man can live and never see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Selah. Where, O Lord, is your loving devotion of old? which you faithfully swore to David. Remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servants, which I bear in my heart for so many people. How your enemies have taunted, O Lord. You have mocked and have mocked every step of your anointed one. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. There's some really important stuff in that. When you look at that promise of his faithfulness not failing, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips what I will not lie to David, his seed will endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It will be established forever like the moon. And this goes into something that has kicked off on TikTok like crazy. And if you're on TikTok, get off TikTok. We're going to say it again. I hate TikTok. And the only reason I'm on that dadgum app is because every time I have tried to stop making content and just be like, I, I, I'm just kind of done with it. I, I don't want to be on TikTok. My, uh, we will get messages. Like I tried to get off. I, I was, I remember thinking to myself, we were driving to our friend's house for a Bible study. And I remember thinking, I just, you know, maybe I'm just kind of done with it for a while. And my wife gets a message on Facebook from a girl she hasn't talked to in nine years saying, I just found, you know, I found your husband's TikTok. I find it so refreshing to see good biblical truth being taught. I'm like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> be on this app, <laughs> but you know, I mean, God, God is very clear here. I will not break my covenant. You know, and, and this goes into something because I was discussing, I had a question, why am I pre-millennial? Why do I believe in the literal coming of Christ to the earth with an establishment of his messianic kingdom on the earth, ruling in Israel with Israel as a restored nation? And now, first I would say, and I answered basically, and then this started a whole firestorm of, you know, Israel, oh, Israel killed Jesus, Israel, the, the, the Jews. And then I, I had to make responses and I gave biblical, like lots of biblical support. And the people, no, you're wrong. Ah, oh, you, I mean, some of these things are like from Christians or proclaiming Christians, professing Christians are vile. Like you freaking Jew lover, Zionist pig and blah, blah. I'm like, oh, holy cow. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is that, and obviously people say, well, what about Romans 2.11? What about Romans 2.28? What about, you know, God is not, there's no partiality. And it's like, ha have you even read the, the actual chapter? You know, none of what you're saying is in any sort of context what the text is actually saying, right? So it's this one verse theology stuff, but the, the amount of vitriol and hatred and 
it's amazing because God in Ezekiel 36, I believe it is, where he talks about bringing the nation back um, into the land. And he says, let me find this thing really quick. Of course, I'm flipping through. Um, Therefore says the Lord, thus says the... um, I scattered them among the nations. They were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore, thus says the Lord, uh, therefore to say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake. O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then it goes on into uh, 37 and he, you know, we see this dry bones and people try to say, Oh, that's, yeah, that's God bringing to life, the believer and regeneration. And then you read to verse 11. He said, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now the, the important thing is with Ezekiel, God straight acknowledges, Hey, they've profaned his name. He is not bringing them back as a nation and restoring them and regenerating them and making them a believing nation. Now, I'll get into that in a second. Based on their faithfulness, he says, no, I do it for my holy namesake. Why? Because when we go back to Genesis 12, we see that God promises Abraham three things. He promises him land, seed, and blessing. And it says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then he goes through the land. He says, Abraham, to Abraham, he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. He talks about the uh, Canaan in that area. Well, then in uh, um, Genesis 15, we have God restating, look towards the stars, uh, look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So then he goes to this whole thing. God has him bring animals, cut them in half and cut him in the middle. And then as the sun went, go, went down, Abraham falls into a deep, deep sleep. Then he said to Abraham, certainly know that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out of uh, with great possession. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall not they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the ridge for Egypt to the great river Euphrates. So this is cutting a covenant. This is a common practice back in the ancient Near East where if Tiana and I were to get in to make a covenant with one another, we would sacrifice these animals. We would cut them in half. We'd link arms and then we would both recite the terms of the covenant walking through the pieces, basically saying, if I am to break this covenant, let me be destroyed like these animals. Who is it 
that walked through the pieces. It was not Abram. It was God alone. Therefore, Abram and his descendants, there is nothing in which they have to fulfill in order to for this to be fulfilled. There's no requirement on them. It is unconditional. And he calls this in uh, in Isaiah 17, or sorry, in Genesis 17, when God is speaking of Isaac, uh, he says, um, I'm sorry. So this is dealing with Abram. Uh, he says, I will make uh, nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant mm-hmm. to be God to you and your descendants after you. So how long does it say that covenant's going to be for? Everlasting. And then in verse 19 of chapter 17, God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. My covenant I will establish with Isaac. And then we see this restated also with Jacob. Then we have, so when we look at the actual portions and the actual full promised land, it is all the way into Egypt, up into Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia. It is a massive land portion. They never fully live within the to the full extent of the promised land. Mm-hmm. So if we are to say, well, Israel's rejected, right? They rejected Jesus, their Messiah. There's not going to be a literal reign of Christ on the earth. Well, then we have a problem. Either God lied mm-hmm. or he is not powerful enough to fulfill. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> and then when we go to 2 Samuel 12, with the covenant with David, or sorry, Second Samuel 7, this is what's called the Davidic covenant. And what is here is what is known as the law of the double reference within writing. And so what we have is actual two different peoples written about here. And it's through the rest of scripture that we figure this out. But he says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. Obviously, that can't be the Messiah because the Messiah is perfect. That would be Solomon. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And we do know that when Solomon uh, fell due to his wives going to idol worship, that God removed the kingdom, not from him, but from his son. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And this is then reiterated and re-promised to Mary that her son would sit on David's throne. Mm-hmm. David's throne was not around in his day, in Mary's day. It was, they were under Roman rule. So again, we see a future. This has to be fulfilled within the future. Now, when we go to Jeremiah 31, and this is where it talked about in Ezekiel about the covenant, about putting a new heart within them. This is what is called the new covenant. Now, what we need to understand is that we enjoy the blessings of the covenant through Jesus, the Messiah. That's what Ephesians 2 talks about. Mm -hmm. But in Ephesians 31, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Tiana, can you tell me why it says the house of Israel and house of Judah? House of Israel and the house of Judah, because they were split. The kingdom was split. Right. And so therefore, because it's referencing both of these, that he's going to make his co- uh, a new covenant with both of them. This mm-hmm. is referencing all of Israel, all, yeah. all Jews. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So he's talking about the Mosaic covenant here, which was conditional, right? The Abrahamic covenant gives the nation the right to land, seed, and blessing, but to be able to enjoy the full extent of the Abrahamic covenant, they had to abide by the Mosaic covenant. Um, so he's saying this new covenant is not going to be like that one. Right. It said, it's uh, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. <clears throat> but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord. Now, Everybody stops at 34. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now, now, obviously, this is who is this to? This is to Israel. Mm -hmm. Everybody stops at 34. They don't continue on. But it's really important that you do. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Mm -hmm. Thus says the Lord, if heaven can above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. So I, I don't know how much more clear God can make it because he says the same thing in Jeremiah 33. Genesis 8, God says, as long as the earth remains, day and night shall not cease. And then in Ezekiel or Jeremiah 33, 20 through 21, thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day, my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. Uh, down to 25, thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with the day and night, and if I have not appointed, appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captives to return and will have mercy on them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we see this, the new covenant is not based on the faithfulness of the nation. However, we do know that this regeneration is going to take place at the end of the seven-year period, the final three and a half years of the 70th, seven of Daniel, of the time of Jacob's trouble. God doesn't just, you know, do the Calvinist regeneration and then they believe, right? It is the, the the prerequisite condition is as any other person that wants to be saved. It's going to require the nation to turn to Jesus, repent of their rejection of him, acknowledge him as his Messiah, believe in him, and then petition his return. So this regeneration of the nation is due to the fact that the nation and the Jews actually finally trust in Messiah in Jesus as their Messiah. And in Acts 1, Jesus had the perfect opportunity to teach replacement theology, if mm -hmm. it was true. Mm -hmm. Could have said, hey guys, yeah, sorry, uh, Israel's rejected me. They have been forfeit. forfeit. The You are the true Israel of God, or the church is now the thing. The problem, his disciples ask him, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, this is uh, Acts 1-6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, 
it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. What does he say? He doesn't say it's not going to happen. Right. He says it's not right now. Right. He says it's not for you to know when that is going to occur. But so, I mean, there's there's a whole lot more in depth to this, obviously, that you can go into. And if anybody wants a really great study on Israel, it's, there's a book by Arnold Fruchtenbaum called Israelology, The Missing Link in Systematic Theology. And it is just phenomenal. It is a very mm-hmm. in-depth study. But what we have to understand, I think God is very clear. He says forever, forevermore. He right. even says in Ezekiel, look, it, it's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on, based on my name because I put my name on the deal. And that is what people seem to not either want to acknowledge or they don't care. And these are professing Christians. And it comes to the point where it's like, look, e- either we believe what the text clearly states or we don't. Either we believe God's word or we don't. And I, I really don't at this point have the patience for all these content creators and all these scholars, quote unquote, people with degrees, all that, who can read the text where God states explicitly and then say, yeah, Israel coming into the land. Yeah, God had nothing to do with that. I've heard so many Christians on TikTok and major people on YouTube as well that are Orthodox or whoever and will actually say that. But yet you read, I don't understand how you can read Ezekiel where God says, I'm going to bring them back in the land. You got Zephaniah where it talks about him bringing the nation back in unbelief in preparation for judgment. Ezekiel 20 and 22, God says he's going to bring them back to pour his wrath out upon them to purge the rebels from among them and bring them into the bond of the covenant. Well, what covenant is he bringing them into the bond of? He's bringing them into the bond of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. That that and he's gonna. That's so. How can you read all that and then see the nation come back into the land? And then they're like, "Well, they reject Jesus." It's like, "Well, yeah, but that's the whole thing. That's like it literally says they're going to be brought back into the land, and they're not going to be a, a a repentant, regenerate nation." So how can you read that and say God had nothing to do with that? Mm-hmm. But so, so basically, all that to say, God is Israel is still God's chosen people, and Paul even says in Romans eleven, mm-hmm. right, yeah. blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile be come in. He says, I do not uh, eleven twenty five. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away the ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So here again, Paul quotes and says, all Israel is going to be saved. That blindness has only happened in part until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Then he quotes the old covenant. He quotes the covenant. Uh, He quotes the old Testament. He states, look, this is God's covenant. Now, and it says in 28, and I don't understand how anybody can misread this. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, guess what? As much as Calvinists love that, oh, the elect, here's your election right right here. Concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. 
That is not dealing with spiritual gifts in the context of this passage. This is talking about the gifts and the covenants and the election of Israel. God is saying it is irre- Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying that that is irrevocable. Mm-hmm. Well, we we touched this heart. I, I hit this heart on Made to Conquer this week, and we went through all of Romans 11 in, in Made to Conquer for this very reason, because Paul, you're right. You know, that one of the things that I'm seeing, and we're going to go through this as we go through the headlines, is the cognitive dissonance that one has to create and, and the way that we have to ignore blatant facts, ignore, you know, the reality of what's happening in the world around us, ignore the blatant, you know, textual, you know, st- statements that Jesus, that God yes. makes. And that's why Psalm 89, I felt led to to read Psalm 89, because, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a divinic and there's also messianic, you know, you know, prophecies in that passage. And and like you said, the word forever is a pretty clear word. Uh, (laughs) Even in the English, we can understand that one forever. (laughs) You know, the thing I want to warn people is be careful where, what position you take on this, because Jesus said to whom much is given, much is required. And every single one of us who has access to the internet, who has access to God's word, who has access to good Bible teachings, we're not going to be able to stand before Jesus and go, but I was taught by my pastor that, that the church replaced Israel. Listen, that might be the case, but Jesus is going to say, but you had the opportunity to read this for yourself and research this for yourself. And it's just the, the issue that is, is very hard to watch right now when when you take this this replacement theology position is the number of quotes from augustine the number of quotes i'm going to read this paul this was one i haven't shared with you yet this one made my blood boil uh on on one of the social media posts that i i had to deal with um you know be careful who you're quoting and be careful be careful what side you're taking in this because throughout history uh those who have taken an anti-semitic anti-zionist position have been on the wrong side of history here's a quote from a catholic um St. Pius X to Theodore Herzl in 1904. This is a uh, some big wig in the Catholic Church. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know the positions within Catholicism, but this is this is a quote from him. No Catholic should ever harbor, much less express, support for the state of Israel. We are unable to favor this movement. We cannot prevent the Jews from going to Jerusalem, but we could never sanction it. The ground of Jerusalem, if it were not always sacred, has been sanctified by the life of Jesus Christ. As the head of the church, I cannot answer you otherwise. The Jews have not. Rec- recognized our Lord. Therefore, we cannot recognize the Jewish people. And so if you come to Palestine and settle your people there, you will be ready. We will be ready with churches and priests to baptize all of you. And, um, you know, so I just want to warn you, if you're quoting Augustine, if you're quoting stuff like this, you're on the wrong side of this issue. You're on an unbiblical side of this issue, and you're on the wrong side of history. And as we go through the news today, you're going to see, as Paul and I've been talking about in this podcast from the very beginning, there's a divide happening. And there's, a, there's, there's those who are going to worship the enemy and his kingdom, and then there's those who are going to hold to the promises of the Lord. And I can just tell you this much. Uh, Jesus was a Jew. He was not a Christian. <laughs> I just saw a funny meme. <laughs> and and, and I, I won't share it because it's, it's a little bit sacrilegious. But Buddha, there's a picture of Buddha, and he's skinny. And he says, I hate these humans. They always depict me as fat. And Jesus says, hey, you should imagine for me, they've been depicting me as a white guy. <laughs> with blonde hair for <laughs> centuries, <laughs> you know, so, um, Jesus did not have blonde hair and blue eyes guys. Uh, we worship a Jew and <laughs> one, one thing with Paul in Romans two, right? Paul is making an argument, uh, leading up to Romans three and in Romans, Romans, Romans three, nine, it says, are we better than they? Not at all. 
And he's speaking of Jews at this point. He says, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. And as you take and look at the structuring of Romans 1, 2, and 3, Paul is laying out an argument in Romans 1, Greeks, pagan, Gentiles, you are guilty before God. Romans 2, Jews, you are guilty before God. And the singular you, the singular, singular you in Romans 2 continues through, uh, though for you are a Jew. So grammatically, the entire thing is to the Jew. But in the beginning of 3, it says, what advantage has the Jew or what profit is circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them have been committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? And this is speaking of the Jews. Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. So what this is saying is that if you consider the unfaithfulness of the of Israel to the covenant, to God, the rejection of the Messiah as a reason that God's faithfulness to the nation of the covenants is done, he's calling, Paul is calling you a liar. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, imagine that. So this is a right here, replacement theology, reconstructionism. This right here is calling them liars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's hard to watch. It's been very hard to watch this quote unquote Christians. You know, I, I just, I warn you when you're quoting men and not God's word in context, you're going to find yourself in trouble. <laughs> very much so. Anyway. But. So but there's one thing I want to talk about, and it was interesting because we talked about this with this guy, uh, BJ Thompson, and we talked about churches earlier. We talked about Israel. And so BJ Thompson is a, he's a missionary out in the Philippines. And I would highly recommend, uh, we're going to put links. Uh, basically there were some issues a couple years ago with the church. Uh, it was not good church, basically the pastor and one of the senior elders just up and sold the church. We still don't know what happened to the money pretty sure they kept it because the senior elder was a freemason and on the city council at mm-hmm. some level so mm-hmm. pastor then up and moved up north and very very good friends of ours um they were going to this church well this missionary they were one of the his primary supporters so when they did that all his supports from them stopped and so this guy has been out living on 800 dollars a month for his family and the church the guy's been out in Philippines for about 30 years. Phenomenal guy. Uh, he, it's fun. It was cool. Cause as you read, I, we're going to put a link to his Facebook account where it has like all his, um, beliefs, his, what he, his doctrinal stances and all that stuff. And one of the things he actually puts that replace, replacement theology, he's like, we reject this wholeheartedly. It, it, it's, it's important to him. Uh, great guy. But at this point right now, he has overstayed his visa in the Philippines and he's kind of pretty struggling quite a bit. So we're going to put a link in there for you guys. If you can want to help and God lays in your heart to donate to him and to help mm-hmm. them. Cause they've got some things they've got to really get done and they just do not have the finances to do it. Cause they're just kind of barely making it at this point have been for a while. He doesn't. And I love the dude to death. He hasn't, I've talked a couple of times to him. He never brought it up. Mm-hmm. He never brought up the money thing. And then my buddy, Jeremy and Tasha called him like, Hey, do you know what's going on with him? And I said, no. And so, uh, if you guys, I would encourage you if, if God lays it on your heart or you just, even if he doesn't, if you just feel like, Hey, you've got some extra money and you can throw his way to help him with this process of, with the visa, with the family, with the travel, with stuff going on over there. Um, please do it. This is a guy that's out there really getting at it for the Lord 
building the church, training leaders. So it is, it, it's, it's, he's just doing great things. I'm going to put a link to his Facebook, uh, his email. So if you want to directly message him, I know he is always looking for encouragement. And mm-hmm. so not looking for it, but it is, I know I've called him and he just every time tells me just how encouraging it is to just, just hear from somebody. Cause you know, he's, he's a, he's a guy from Philly. So you can imagine like the, the, the he's got that Philly talk. He's got that intense attitude. I love it. But uh, I, I know it always encourages him when he hears from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So we'll leave a link to the nonprofit that you can um, send uh, the money to. You select his name, James and Laureen Thompson, and that way, or at least go to his Facebook, like it, check him, follow him out. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that in there, that that's going to be linked in here because we do have a brother in Christ that really is kind of in in some pretty serious need at this moment. And he's out there, even on that lack, still getting at it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus said, you know, and, and I'm not saying this from a manipulation perspective, I'm saying this to, to be fair, you know, if you give a cup of water to one of my little ones. And so, you know, don't, 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 if God lays something on your heart, and it's, it seems to you like nothing. Don't question why God would ask you to do something seemingly small to you because he can take, and what does he say to the widow? She's put in more than everybody else because she's put on all that she had to live on. And so my point being this, God multiplies what we give him. He gave, he gave a little boy two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000 people with it. So, you know, whatever God lays on your heart, always say yes, get in the habit of saying yes to the Lord. And uh, (laughs) why can come later, but yes, I usually say yes, why? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of why, yes. So, so in the news, the reason that we got this first story regarding the January 6th people is because Jake Lang, this guy, it's been pretty horrific. He's been a thousand days now in prison without a trial. (sighs) The reason I want to bring this up is there's very, this, you can see here, they don't care about our constitutional rights. They don't care about the law, right? And it's just a matter of time before they can say, and we know with the FBI, with the way they've restructured the um, the what's the verbiage in some of their documents regarding what is a threat, basically just your political views and what you stand for can be considered a terrorist threat. Mm-hmm. So it's not based on actions that you take anymore. It's based on beliefs you hold. So on October 12th, Jake Lang passed a thousand days in jail without a trial. So he wanted to share the conditions that he was dealing with in his confinement. He's had, oh, he's done 20 months of solitary confinement. Mm. For 15 months of that, he wasn't allowed to have a haircut or shave. Mm. This was intentional, he said, to make January 6th prisoners look like homeless vagrants or deranged terrorists during video court appearances. The prisoners are frequently denied family visitation. They spend months with no sunlight. Lights in their cells remain on at night, depriving them of sleep. His account Mm. aligns from the firsthand reports from other January 6th prisoners detailed in a congressional report. Uh, Troublesome prisoners are subjected to diesel therapy where inmates are shackled together frequently with violent gang members for long bus or plane rides to another facility. The trips take hours, days, and sometimes weeks because they, they, they play these freaking games. Fights are frequent personal belongings and discovery for their trials. Family photos, exculpatory documents, and notes related to their cases are often quote unquote lost. Uh, they don't inform the families when they're moving them. So the families have to actually track them down within the system and try to find them. Uh, Lang is only 28 years old, which is insane. Uh, he's been charged with several counts, including obst- an obstruction charge for which he could receive 20 year sentence as reported by the Epoch times. 
He has challenged this charge with the Supreme Court. Following his arrest on January 16th, 2021, Mr. Lang has been shuttled from one prison to another. In New York, he was moved to three different facilities, including the MDC Brooklyn, where Jeffrey Epstein was held. Mm. Then he was taken to an airport in Newburgh, New York, put on a plane with about 200 convicts, felons, and transported to Oklahoma. He was then moved to Northern Neck Regional in Warsaw, Virginia, and then to uh, Washington, D.C. jail known to the January 6th prisoners as the Gulag. He was confined to his cell for 23 hours and 15 minutes each day for three months. He has mm-hmm. been frequently assaulted. Um, they've gone through where the about 70 officers will start banging on the cell doors of the January 6th inmates, ordering them to get dressed and grab their mats. They were being moved to a more secure location. Guards were shouting. Inmates were confused and scared. Some thought they were going to be taken outside to a firing squad, and they thought they were going to kill them. A guard threw him against the wall, punched him in the ribs. They were all taken to the basement and placed in cells with no windows, no sinks, and no toilets. This lasted for eight hours. Mr. Lang was then tossed in the hole. It's disgusting down there, he said. The walls are wet. There's vermin and cockroaches, and there's a little slot in the door that they feed you through like a dog. About 10 months later, Mr. Lang was brought back up to the pod. So that's 10 months in that place. An independent section within the facility that holds a small number of prisoners him and his fellow January 6th prisoners gathered at his cell door to greet him. One of the guards yelled for them to get away from my door, just arbitrarily enforcing a rule that didn't exist. He called the sergeant who opened the door and unloaded a whole can of military-grade pepper spray directly into my eyes. Naked and in cuffs, an emergency response team dragged him from the cell and brought him to the shower. Female guards watched, laughing hysterically. He wasn't given soap, so the oil ran down his body and hit his man bits, uh, burning became excruciating in his cell the burning oil transferred to his mattress so it woke up because it had gone all over his body when he was thrown back in the hole he went on a 12-day hunger strike that cost him 30 pounds negotiations for ending this hunger strike included a haircut family visitation and congressional investigation into the deaths of ashley babbitt and uh, roseanne boyland he then moved to alexandria regional jail and was placed in solitary confinement after reporting his treatment to the press he was sent to a federal penitentiary in lewisburg pennsylvania after more press interviews he was moved to Raffinock Regional Jail in Stafford, Virginia. One month and multiple interviews later, he was back in Northern Neck. A week later, he was once again at Lewisburg and then landed back at the D.C. jail where he has been in the past six months. Friday, October 13th marked 1,000 days in prison, but God's grace has supplied me and the rest of January 6 prisoners with strength, endurance, perseverance, and hope, knowing that we will have vindication from this political persecution. One day from all over the country, more than 200 of us will emerge from these prisons and gulags, we will be redeemed and restored, and all the things they've done to us will be washed away. His trial is set for October 10th, but was postponed pending an indication on the Supreme Court petition. Now, if anybody re- has ever read the Gulag, or the Gulag, or Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn and looked at the accounts of what actually went on, this this is everything that they talk about within uh, Russia and the USSR back then in the Soviet Union and the things that they would do to their political prisoners. And when you look, this 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 is what these people are. They are political prisoners. They're having their rights violated. The constitution at this point to our government does not matter. Now, the only thing you can really do at this point is cut the head off the snake and just go slaughter all these people. Now, not that I'm not, a, not that I'm against that, but you know, don't do it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, because when it comes to our, our declaration of independence, one of the things that's laid out is that if our government violates the rights of the people and all of these things, that the people have the right to change the government. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. No revolt's going to happen, nor is it going to be successful. We are too monitored. 
Uh, they are able to track us. They are able to shut down communications. They can do things like this, obviously. So do not do that. Don't say, oh, we're going to revolt. We need to rise up. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to work. Should we? Yes. But your time to do that was back in 2020 with the lockdowns. You didn't do Mm -hmm. it. It's too late. Mm -hmm. Too many other things got put in place at that time. So again, it goes back to what our mission is and what our primary focus needs to be as Christians, which is carrying out the commission that God gave us. But don't be surprised if over the next years, as the powers that be start continue to expand, as this globalist system starts to expand, I wanted you guys to hear this, to understand that the things that they do in banana republics to political to their political opponents in the in the old Soviet Union, they are doing to our people today. Mm-hmm. Understand this is happening. It could happen to us simply for being Christian or because we're conservative. We don't actually know, right? That's just speculation. However, if they are doing it to them, there's there's nothing keeping them from doing it to whomever they wish. Well, I saw a tweet this morning from the Hodge twins, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Um, yeah. But it said, you know, it said if Trump loses this, if Trump does not become the president, then he will be thrown in prison for the rest of his life. And then they're coming after us next. Yes. And, you know, obviously these guys are, are um, social media influencers. And so there's, a, you know, some in, in, inflammatory language in that. But they're probably not that far off the truth in that statement. Yeah. All right. Well, on that cheery note, should we get yeah. to our next article? <laughs> so troops hurt after three drones attack U.S. bases in Iraq. Coalition forces were slightly injured in Iraq in a drone attacks over the last 24 hours at U.S. bases in Iraq as regional tensions flare following the deadly bombing of a hospital in Gaza. <laughs> it didn't actually happen. Yeah, a a <laughs> a failed launch from Hamas, which killed their own people. Uh, that's a whole nother story. Two drones targeted a base in Western Iraq used by U.S. forces, and one drone targeted a base in Northern Iraq. U.S. forces intercepted all three, destroying two, but only damaging the third, which led to minor injuries amongst among coalition forces at the Western base, according to a statement Wednesday by U.S. Central Command. In this moment of heightened alert, we are vigilantly monitoring the situation in Iraq and the region. U.S. forces will defend U.S. and coalition forces against any threat, Central Command said in a re- in a in the release. Is this part of the same article? Uh, no, I don't think it is. No, 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 no. no. Sorry, that Sorry. that was my bad. Sorry, Parl and I are looking at our notes. We have we have this really fancy way of keeping track of who's going to say what. And yeah, we, we I, I forgot to put the little marker on there. My no, bad. That was me. Yeah, we, we indicate we indicate. <laughs> so with so a basically, little, uh... just understand like they they are still attacking our U.S. troops in Iraq, but mm-hmm. yeah, the facts at this moment, this is dealing with Israel. So Israel's declared war against Hamas after the terror group infiltrated the country on October 7th. We know this. At least 48,000 people have been killed on both sides, or 4,800, not 48,000. <laughs> Paul. Can't read my numbers. <laughs> uh, 4,800 people, including at least 1,400 Israeli civilians and soldiers and 32 Americans. Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry claims at least 3,478 Palestinians have been killed and more than 10,950 wounded. At least 11 Americans feared to be held captive. Um, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu pledged to feed Hamas and wipe them off the face of the earth in a speech during swearing in of national emergency government at the Knesset. And President Biden has pledged 100 million in humanitarian assistance for Palestinians caught in the crossfire in Gaza on the West Bank. The Israeli military said Thursday there are confirmed 203 hostages taken by Hamas and missing individuals in the Gaza Strip, including 30 children and youths and as many as 20 elderly. 
It's ugly down there. I saw, um, do you know who Jeremy Boring is? He's the, he's a CEO and, and executive producer of the daily wire. So he's really good friends with Ben Shapiro. And he yeah. was invited on a guest with Piers Morgan and Piers Morgan before he had Jeremy Boring on had this pro Palestinian comedian. The guy was a, one of the most absurdly insolently rude and obnoxious people I have ever, ever had to sit through and like it was terrible to sit and listen to this guy one of the things that he did is he brought up this chart that shows the number of palestinian deaths versus israeli deaths throughout the years and he says so how, how many deaths are enough and, and, and the point that they're trying to make is look the jews kill way more palestinians than the other way around the nuance that he's failing to tell everybody in there is what caused those deaths right exactly yeah, it's often it's often failed launches of Hamas rockets that have killed their own people and they're blaming it on the Jews. And then they also the nuance that he's also leaving off is the only reason why Israel has ever had to kill any of them is in self-defense because they always instigate the the fights. And so exactly. they take these talking points which seem like they're the victims and they leave off all the nuance. And so be careful about being caught into this propaganda because they, they make it sound like these Jews are killing us in mass. Look how many more, you know, Palestinians die than Jews. It's like, well, congratulations to the Jewish people for having enough military to protect themselves. That's on, on right. Palestine. Yeah. Uh, but, but second of all, you have to understand the nuance in that and how many of the, mo most of those have died on friendly fire. <laughs> uh, well, whatever you want to call it, terrorist fire. I don't think friendly fire is a well, good it, word for it. It's in that like case. They, they were talking about all they killed teenagers and this and that it's like yeah the teenager went and shot up some civilians so of course they're going to shoot the guy right like, what, what do you want yeah but this this whole thing is pretty big with biden giving a hundred million a hundred yep. million to hamas yeah D don't believe the lie that that he's pro-israel he's using words but his actions are speaking otherwise so you want me to get this one yeah go for it Giving $100 million to Hamas is another of Biden's numerous <laughs> idiocies, Senator. Amid the deadliest attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust, President Joe Biden has planned, pledged to send Hamas-controlled areas of the Palestinian Authority the same amount of U.S. taxpayer funding that Iran sends to Hamas each year. The pledge constitutes another Bi Biden's numerous idiocies that imperil the Middle East, according to one U.S. Senator. Biden announced during his one-day visit to Israel on Wednesday that he proposed $100 million in new U.S. funding for humanitarian assistance, both in Gaza and the West Bank. This money will support more than 1 million displaced and conflict-affected conflict Palestinians, including emergency needs in Gaza. The request comes separately from another anticipated 100 billion aid request, which Biden described as unprecedented. 10 billion for Israel, 60 billion for Ukraine, and the rest for Taiwan and other Pacific nations. We are really trying to get into World War III, aren't we? Well, the that Pal and we have no money. Yeah. I mean, right. it's all borrowed money. We're giving away borrowed. It's but of course, I, I the, the, the citizens don't get this, right? Hey, Why would we give this to the American citizens? Right. Maybe there's some divine providence in the fact we don't have a speaker for the House right now. Maybe God Maybe. is protecting us. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see what's going to happen out of that. Uh, anyway, the Palestinian funding would not require Hamas to release any of the 13 Americans currently held not. hostage. Once, once again, such great negotiating skills. The money is fungible, Biden said. Might as well have announced $100 million aid to Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad said Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, agreed the humanitarian assistance will allow will amount to nothing more than a resupply from Hamas terrorists. Yep. President Biden continues to embolden Iran and its terror proxies. Side note, one of the articles I read but decided not to put in here was a speculation from one writer that the whole reason why Biden went to Israel was to postpone the ground invasion from Israel into Gaza to allow Hamas to resupply. I don't know. That's a lot of speculation, which is why I didn't feel like it was put in here. But I, I, I don't believe that Biden is actually working on the right side of this issue.
No, no. And, and it's mostly his handlers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But another thing that's Obama. going on, and this is here stateside, obviously, uh, as this whole thing's going on in uh, Israel and with what Biden's doing, he's basically quietly continuing to fund open borders. Mm-hmm. They've got 22 million within the 2024 budget. Uh, amid the prospect of a possible government shutdown over the fiscal 2024 budget, Biden administration, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services recently announced $22 million in grants for organizations to help prepare lawful permanent residents of naturalization. The thing about this, though, is it drew attention because after helping, it would seem helping legal immigrants become citizens isn't bad. But the problem is that several of the organizations that are getting the money, they're getting these grants, they actively participate in the push for further dismantling the American immigration law over any sort of meaningful teachings of becoming an American citizen. So basically, under the guise of providing support for potential future future U.S. citizens, the Biden administration is funding organizations that advocate for an immigration free-for-all. Now, one of the things that we have to understand is that if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. At this point, (laughs) they... They have, we have got so many immigrants coming in, excuse me. And what's crazy is the number of military age males from China and Syria and the Middle East. And even back in 2011, 2012, I've got buddies that were tracking due to the, where they were within certain agencies, the number of training camps, Muslim training camps, militia training camps back then. So this is basically allowing these people to come in and they're not, they're not just coming here to hang out. Mm-mm. Right. And this is where, you know, 2024, my, my one friend who actually came on here and spoke about some of the stuff uh, a while ago that was involved in some of the more black side operations and programs. Uh, he is fully convinced that China's going to kick off in January and stuff's going to happen and kick off next year. Partly in in because of the 2024 election, um, they he's got a ton of theories on on what's actually going to occur. But this is this is part of that, right? The reason they want open borders is because it allows for these things to come in. Because ultimately, it's about power. Mm-hmm. And the next article is actually really important because of not what was just said, but it it's the excuse it gives Iran. Iran to UN Netanyahu threatened us with nukes. <laughs> Iran has written a letter to the UN Security Council complaining, the United Nothing, sorry, I should should get that right, the United Nothing (laughs) Security Council, complaining about Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's threat of use of using nuclear weapons against Iran during his September 22nd address in in the United Nothing General Assembly. The use or threat of use of nuclear weapons constitutes a clear violation of international law and the United Nothing Charter, especially from Israel, and emphasizes the serious threat posed to security and international peace, wrote Iran's ambassador to the United Nations Amir Saeed Irani. In accordance with international law, we will respond decisively to all threats and illegal acts originating from the Israeli regime. So just as a side note, if you know anything about the, the UN, they have sanctioned Israel more than any other nation. Yeah. 
And so you have to understand that when, when I say United Nothing, that that's not, it's, it's funny, but it's not like these, they're, they're very, very anti-Israel and very pro these, these terrorist organizations. So you, if you look at the voting history, it's, it, it's not pretty. It's, it's very, very um, anti-Semitic, I guess is probably the best way to say it. In accordance with international law, we will respond decisively to all threats and illegal acts originating from the Israeli regime. Irvani warned, we will not hesitate to exercise these rights to protect our security, our national interests, and our people. Boy, they're looking for a reason to use that enriched uranium. During yeah. his UNGA address, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, Iran must face a credible nuclear threat as long as I am Prime Minister of Israel, I will do everything in my power to prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapons, as he should. A senior advisor to the Prime Minister told JNS that the original text of the speech called for a credible military threat against Iran's nuclear program. It was misread as a credible nuclear threat, advisor told JNS. The Prime Minister stands by the original text of the speech. On Tuesday, Israeli Atomic Energy Commission Director General Moshi, Moshi that's how you say Moses uh, in Hebrew, right, Moshi? told attendees at the annual conference of the International Atomic Energy <laughs> Energy Agency in Vienna. Boy, you, you've let me pick the one with a lot of long Always. Names. Always. <laughs> Iran continues to develop, test, and deploy long-range ballistic missiles in direct violation of UN Security Council resolutions. Iran, equipped with a nuclear weapon and delivery systems, is not an option that Israel or the world can or should tolerate, he said. On October 18th, provisions of the UN Security Council Resolution 2231 regarding Iran's ballistic missile activities are set to expire, warned Edri, which he said would allow the Islamic Republic to continue to advance its ballistic missile program with it without any formal limitations. There is no doubt that Iran conducted mil a military nuclear program aimed to produce several nuclear weapon devices. Iran continues to advance this program by gaining relevant technology and knowledge along with fizzle material in alarming amounts, he said. So yes, they are enriching uranium and it's not for nuclear power. <laughs> and what we read in Ezekiel 38 and 39, obviously there is an attack on, um, there is an attack on Israel from Russia, from Iran. And it seems uh, scholars do seem to believe that there is a use of nuclear weapons here due to the fact that there's people that are taken in, they're put into employment. Uh, the bodies are buried downwind. They are, if they find a bone or something like that, uh, people have to come in and this, these people have to grab them and especially. So th there is a belief that there's use of atomic weapons in this, uh, in this exchange, but that is obviously yet to be seen. Uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 has not happened yet, but I'm not surprised if it's around the corner. Uh, given mm -hmm. everything that is going on, mm -hmm. um, we do know uh, right now. And so, as as Tiana said, Iran is looking for a reason, and this kind of actually gives them an excuse. Oh, we, we're doing this to protect ourselves from Israel. And what it, <laughs> it it always blows my mind when people look at the map. If you actually look at the map, and the, you got the like, I saw one yesterday of the colored nations in green were all the Arab Muslim nations, mm -hmm. and then you had the here's the blue, and that's Israel. And it's this tiny little sliver, but that's, yeah. that's, you know, they're the ones on Muslim land and it's just, yeah. they're doing so, a terrible job colonizing is the way they, that the oh, poster read me about it. <laughs> terrible colonizers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, uh, this also has to do with us because again, just heat tensions heating up within the region. Russian president, Vladimir Putin has ordered fighter jets with hypersonic missiles to patrol the black sea in response to the chaos in the middle East. Putin reportedly ordered MiG-31 aircraft armed with Kazal missiles. The Kazal missiles have a range of more than 1,000 kilometers at the speed of Mach 9. Mm. This is not a threat, but we will exercise visual control with weapons over what is happening in the Mediterranean Sea. The move comes after the U.S. 
sent multiple carrier strike groups near Israel. And and the reason that every time Putin comes in the news around this war that Christians start to perk up is uh, Ezekiel 38, Rosh is exactly. Russia. And so we know at some point in time, God is going to put a hook in the mouth of Russia so they can go plunder and pillage and loot yes. Israel. And the United States will not be there to defend them. So in, in light of all of this very uplifting news that Paul and I have been sharing, I thought that we should end the news portion of this. Well, let, let's actually, let's do the last picture first and then then, then hit these prayers. Oh yeah, so it, there's a picture. Uh, it's from Greta Thunberg. Obviously Greta Thunberg is the poster child for the left for, we talked about it a while ago, basically earth worship and the, the worship of Gaia and how that really is a cult and religion with a lot of our politicians, a lot of those within the UN, the World Economic Forum that we have to save mother earth and if that means the population if that means you know and what's interesting also as we've talked about before in some of the episodes regarding alien abduction part of the reason as these new age people have since the 50s have talked with these quote-unquote aliens these entities through channeling and remote viewing and transcendental meditation not not a cult at all <laughs> right um, one of the things that they've talked about is that mother earth is is struggling and she is dying and that this actually happened before on on planet Lucifer. That's what they actually, these are what these entities mm -hmm. are actually saying. And so they want to help save the earth and we need to help her ascend. Well, all of these lefties that are part of this group are <laughs> standing with Gaza, standing with Palestine. What? And it's a picture of Greta Thunberg, stand what? with Gaza, free Palestine. Uh, climate justice now. Yeah. So all these, amazing, all these people that support earth worship are also standing with Palestine. So you mean, you mean that demons frolic with demons? You don't say. No. I know. Oh, it's, yeah. it's an assumption. I'm way out there. I know you crazy. Hey, as a side note, I just read Chuck Missler has a great book on this and it's crazy because he wrote it in the nineties before we knew any, like any, any amount of information that we know today and the book is called Alien Encounters by Chuck Missler and Mark Eastman. And um, it's a great book. Yeah, I, I highly recommend if you just kind of want to like, you know, a picture into what we're heading into. It's a really good book to read. It is on Audible. So anybody that yeah. wants to just do the audio book. That's what I did. I just blew through it on audio. Audible. Yeah. So to close this out, there's a prayer guide, 10 essential prayer requests related to, to Israel's ongoing war and and. Um, obviously we've got our Babylon Bee, which are full of really great sarcastic uh, uh, Palestinian, um, or Ham I should say Hamas. I, I had a good Jewish friend of mine remind me this week that um, you cannot be pro-Palestine if you're pro-Hamas because Hamas is not pro-Palestine. And I thought that was a good observation to make. Um, they don't care about their people. Yep. So they care about killing Jews. So anyway, this prayer guide, I just thought this was a good, good thing to cover. Uh, I'm going to put the link to this. If you are looking for a way to pray for Israel, we should be praying for Israel. We're commanded in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So prayer guide, 10 essential prayer requests related to Israel's ongoing war. Defense of Israel. We implore God to safeguard Israel currently in the war against Hamas and other terrorist organizations. Because remember, I think Hezbollah is going to be involved in this very soon, if they're not already, uh, while confronting additional threats from various sides. 
Number two, victory and safety. We pray for a decisive victory over the terrorists with a fervent plea of safety for the fighting soldiers as well as security, border patrol, police, and authorities. Wisdom for the leaders. Amen to that one. We lift up our hearts in prayer for Israel's political and military leaders asking for wisdom in their critical and tactical and strategic decisions. Number four, comfort for grieving families. This one is definitely hard. Our tears and prayers are with grieving families on both sides of this conflict. We ask that they may find comfort, strength in Jesus's name. Number five, safety of hostages. We pray for the hostages and beseech God for their safety and their swift return from home from captivity. Healing for the wounded. Our prayers, we seek the physical and emotional healing of the wounded, asking for their full and complete recovery and overall well-being. Number seven, protection for children and civilians. Our hearts are heavy for the children affected by this war and the innocent civilian population. Let us appeal to God for their protection and well-being during these difficult times. And I think innocent is the key there on the civilian population because we have to remember that there are some who are under the pretense of civilians that are not innocent in this. Number eight, strength for medical personnel. We ask for strength and wisdom for doctors, nurses, and medical staff and rescue organizations as they work tirelessly to save the wounded and provide relief. Number nine, divine guidance for messianic community. We, have, we offer special prayer for the messianic communities here in Israel and throughout the region that we may shine as beacons of light in these trying times. Amen. Receive divine wisdom for our communications. Uh, you know, I think that should be the heart of all of us Christians. May Jesus Christ get the glory in all of these things. And then number 10, peace in our hearts. We pray for the peace of God would fill our hearts that all of God's children worldwide, a peace which surpasses all understanding that shall protect our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus so that every word and action may contribute to the building of God's kingdom. That was a beautiful Amen. prayer list. Yeah. Oh, such a, it's been a happy day. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I, obviously when it comes to news, news doesn't get paid to put happiness up on, on the yeah. screen, but yeah. it, it, the world's probably going to continue to go this way. We know this. Well, Paul, you know we shouldn't su be surprised. About. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've known, like, we've known. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, like how exciting is it that we get to be alive yes. during this time? We get to be alive to see events unfolding you know i mean how much do you think that john would have loved to see these events come about in his day you know obviously there's suffering and there's tribulation but he's like dude i'm already suffering i'm already i'm already being exiled mm -hmm. i've been tortured like let me see stuff actually occurring that i'm you know because he got to see the revelation yeah. but then he never got to see it actually come to pass and so now <clears throat> i think for us it, it is such an exciting time because we get to partake and participate and we don't have to be people just sitting on the bench. Amen. We can actively participate in the crisis of our time in our own country and we can stand up for truth and we can stand up in our churches and we can actually start to become as Chuck and Nancy Missler like talk about metakoi, that word in the Greek, partakers, right? Yes. Partakers, those that partake in the mission and calling of God in our lives. So, all right. I've got my Babylon B. All right, Babylon up, man. Bob Buffalo hat wearing Ilhan Omar leads pro Hamas <laughs> protesters storming the Capitol. Today's drama regarding the ongoing search for the next Speaker of the House of Representatives was ground to a halt today as 1,000 pro Hamas protesters stormed the U.S. Capitol, led by a Buffalo hat wearing Ilhan Omar. Now, notice when anybody else, when any lefties, whoever burns the Capitol, storms the Capitol in a state, or you know, they say it's an insurrection if the right does it, but if these guys do it, man, they're good. Make yeah. Palestine great again, Omar was heard shouting as she led a mob of angry rioters across the Capitol grounds before entering the building and positioning them in the rotunda. We will not stand for the Israeli colonization of Gaza. Chaos ensued as the protesters staged what everyone has been conditioned to believe is a violent insurrection of the American government. 
insurrection, insurrection, Nancy Pelosi shrieked as she ran down the corridors of the Capitol building before being stopped by one of her aides. What? Oh, it's pro-Palestine people? Okay, then. Totally an insurrection. Not at all. Where's my wine? (laughs) Oh, that's good. I was torn. I was torn between the, uh, we've changed the coexist sticker to remove the Star of David and put a paragliding (laughs) in there. I was torn between that one and I'm going to go with this one. That's really good. Yeah. Did you see that one? It was pretty funny. I did. Yeah. Um, so this one is really funny because right before we started recording this, I have not yet verified this, but I saw on Twitter that Elon Musk has officially removed the blue check mark from the New York Times because of how anti-Semitic their headlines are. So that occurred this That's morning. That's awesome. And I think this just dovetails so nicely into this I'll news bet article. minds were exploding. Yes, exactly. New York Times patiently awaiting Zoom call from Hamas to see what they should print today. <laughs> New York, New York, the staff of the New York Times spent the morning patiently waiting by the computer, waiting for the call from Hamas to see what the terrorists would like to have printed on the front page today. No fingers on the keyboard until Hamas calls, declared Chief Editor Joe Khan. We don't post a single word unless we've sourced it directly from the terrorists on the ground. Understood? <laughs> so that uh, that, that obviously is a, is a dig because Israel was saying, oh, we've got dead babies. And they're like, oh, there's no proof. There's no evidence. They were hemming and hawing for a week. And as soon as Hamas throws something out, oh. The they hospital. take it as gospel truth. The hospital was the prime example of this, you know, blaming Israel for 500 deaths. And we find out, first of all, that it wasn't an Israeli bomb. It was a Hamas bomb that 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 failed launch. And it, it, it killed 20 people, not 500. It was all a psychops. You know, so um, again, here's the thing. You're going to either find yourself on the truth or you're going to find yourself on the side of the lies. And the people who are, you know, promoting death to Israel, you know, death to Israel, you know, because they're believing this stuff from Hamas that you could present them with the facts and they don't want it. They just don't want the truth. And and exactly. this is I mean, this is what John says. You know, they, they men love the darkness. They love yes. the darkness because they did Very not want their so. deeds exposed. And so this is what's happening, guys. We're seeing the divide. There's no gray anymore. You are either standing in the light of God's word and you have nothing to be afraid of. Or are you hiding in the darkness and you're living in the lies? There is no more neutral zone anymore. Switzerland is a non-existent uh, position you can take in all of this. So I encourage you to step under the light because there's healing. There's truth. There's love. There's compassion. There's tenderness. And there is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you would just step into the light. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today is an encouragement. We just ask that if this podcast encourages you, that you like it, that you subscribe to it. And please, everybody that listens, just share it with one person. That's all we would ask. So go out this week, get on mission for Jesus, disciple the nations, preach the gospel, edify the body, find somebody that you can pray for, that you can encourage. Thank you for joining us. This is Paul with Warriors Rising. Out. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Let's go.